servicemen because um, I had the habit of confusing Veterans Day with Memorial Day, rolling them all together and okay, thinking I was in good shape. But uh, he corrected me and he said, no, Memorial Day is the day that he remembers being in combat and losing six of his platoon members with him on that specific day. Why he was still alive, he wasn't too sure, but he was very grateful to be able to remember his six friends that had passed away during that day of combat. That's what tomorrow is about. Now we should recognize and thank our veterans every day for the sacrifice they've made, but tomorrow is very specific for those that have left their lives behind. Okay, so I'd like to take just a moment right now to think about that. Thank you. Now this morning I would like to take a um, little bit of time to discuss the Holy Spirit today. Now because of time constraints and what's going on later, this is part one of two parts. Okay, I don't know when we'll do the second part, but understand that the Holy Spirit is a very large part of what's in the scriptures. Okay, and there's a lot that is said about him. We just don't talk about him very often. Now, depending on your tradition, the Holy Spirit may be seen as either a thing, a power, a source of energy, a force, or maybe even a friendly ghost. Okay, if you get your King James, you'll know what I'm referring to. No, he's not like Casper. Okay. Well, what does the scripture say? Um, t today's text is going to be taken mainly out of um, the Gospel of John, specifically John 14 through 16. Okay, most of the text is going to be taken out of there. Now, I'd like to note that most scholars believe that this section of scripture in John chapters 14 through 16 is a time period of about 12 to 15 hours between the time frame when the uh, last supper occurred and Jesus was with his 11 because remember one of them went off to deny him to um, betray him and the time frame where he gets crucified so this is a short time period and in my mind, Jesus knows, he's been telling him that his apostles that he's about to leave, he's about to die, okay? And in my mind, what I would think that Jesus would be doing is to review with them the things that are most important to him for them to know, okay? So this part of the scripture is very important in terms of understanding Jesus' heart. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've recorded us 
you've recorded it so that we may know and we may know what's important to your heart. I ask you to open the ears so that whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us can be heard and not forgotten. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does Jesus tell us, tells the apostles about the Holy Spirit? Should have turned that slide differently. Should have made it the other way for you. Sorry about that. Well, in John 14:16 it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. A little further down, John 14, 25. The things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you of all things. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on. And then I do hear a little bit of ringing. Okay. Um, lost Ben. Not Ben, uh, Chris. Okay. The rest of the verse, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said. So the Holy Spirit's got a very specific task to do, is to remind the 11 what Jesus has told them during those three and a half years that he was ministering with them. Okay? We'll see a little later that he's got a different function for us. John 15, 25 when the Helper comes, I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, He, that should be in black, but sorry about that, He will testify about me. And in John 16:7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send Him to you. So at that time frame, the person who knew him best, knew the Holy Spirit best, calls him an individual. He's a person. Now, why is that important? Have any of you tried to develop a relationship with a thing? You know, I can talk to a tree, but it isn't going to talk back to me. Okay, I can't have a relationship with a thing. We have relationships with individuals, with people. So that's why it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, and there'll be we'll talk a lot more about that. Ah, oh, let's see. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first thing is, I just mentioned it, is he's a person. He's not a force. He's not a ghost. He's not a thing. But he's someone for us to interact with. 
And the key part is, he's more willing to interact with us than we are. Okay? So he's always available. We're the ones who hold the key. We're the ones who hold the key. Secondly, Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. Notice in the four passages, okay, and I've got two of them up here. Jesus is speaking, and he's telling his 11 that he's going to talk to the Father about sending the Holy Spirit. Now, some um, traditions hold that they don't believe in the Trinity. It's for them as a Jesus only. But if we read the scriptures, and I've got several more passages, it very specifically speaks about them as being three distinct individuals. Now, granted, all unified in one, and there's a little bit of a mystery in there in terms of how that works, but the scriptures are very clear. There are three of them together. Okay, and they work together in unity. Um, if you take a look at Luke three twenty one and 22, and this is the passage that most of us, or at least the one that struck me the most, is um, the scripture says, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized also. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my son for whom I am well pleased. Again, you'll notice all three of them there. Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit is there. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. It says the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. Okay? But he's not a dove. He didn't fly in. Okay, and then we hear the Father speaking. Now, if you prefer, there's two other parallel passages. There's Mark 3.13, or excuse me, Mark 1.9 and Matthew 3.13. Those are parallel passages of the same event where Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. Okay. Just got a note in my mind. An important thing that occurred during the baptism that we don't think about, we think about him being filled with the Holy Spirit and everything else, but John the Baptist calls him the Lamb of God. That's important, okay? Because before a lamb can be sacrificed for Passover... He must be inspected by the priest. Right, Norm? He must be inspected by the priest to be found to be without spot or wrinkle, to be perfect. John the Baptist is kind of interesting. His father is a priest from the Aaronic priesthood. So what does that make John the Baptist? He's a priest from the Aaronic priesthood. So he's doing the inspection that the priest would do before the sacrifice is done. And he's finding Jesus already perfect. 
because he calls him the Lamb of God. Okay, so that was an aside for free, but that's part of fulfilling all of the scriptures. All right, another place where the Holy Spirit is part of the three would be in um, Luke 10, 21 and 22. You are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, excuse me, and and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this this way was pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son will to reveal him. And here we see he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Father and the Son are talking together. Okay, so another place where you've got three. In Luke 11:13, we see, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, we see all three of them. Um, the one we probably know the best. Matthew 28:19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, you see all three. And if you want to look some more, there's um, another passage in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, and 1 Peter 1, 2. So for the traditions that says Jesus only, and there's no such thing as the Trinity, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about the fact that they're all three together. Okay, so that's the second thing we need to notice about the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures calls the Holy Spirit God. And if you go to Acts chapter 5, 1 to 4, we have an event that occurs there that brings about very clearly the fact that he is God. This is when... Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, okay, um, lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay, they wanted to be seen as really good doobies. Okay, so they brought the funds in and said, oh, this is everything we've made from the sale of our property. But it was only a portion. Now, they didn't have to give it all. They could have said, this is what we're giving, and that would have been perfectly fine. But it was the lying part. Here's what the scripture says. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself, which his wife's, with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to... Lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Do with it what you want. It says, why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men 
but to God. Okay, and there he's making a strong connection between the Holy Spirit and God. Now, I understand, it got pointed out to me, and I understand why we do have some confusion about the Holy Spirit. Okay, we usually call him the Holy Spirit. It's not his name. We call the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not their name. That's their function. Their name is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Their name is God. Okay? Now, for us, it's a good thing that we can distinguish their functions, okay, because now it tells us more of how we can interact with them, because they are very distinct. Okay? But the confusion is we think their name is the Holy Spirit. It's God. Okay? Um, and then fourthly, okay, where's Chris? Chris, can you go to the next slide? This is the same passage as I read a few minutes ago, but I'm highlighting the word helper. Now, if you got the King James, it'll say comforter. Um, well, let me read it for you. I don't know about you, but I got to do the glasses. Jesus says in 14:16, "I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper." Again, depending on your translation, it'll say Comforter, Advocate, or if you got the message, it'll say Friend. Okay, and um, I'm sure there's probably some other translations that give a different name here. In John 14, 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Okay, John 15, 25, when the Helper comes. Now bear in mind, this is Jesus talking before he's crucified. So he's talking about what's going to happen in the future. Where in the future? It's already happened. Okay, and uh, John 16. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Okay, now again, depending on your translations, it'll be helper, uh, advocate, uh, comforter, even friend. The term in the Greek is, whew, hope I pronounce it right, parakletos. We close, Norm? That's pretty good. Okay. It's a masculine noun, and the root word means one who comes aside or one who comes to aid. Okay? So this function is to come aside us, and help us, aid us in understanding what the scriptures have for us. It's got a lot of other functions as well, but that's one of the key ones is for us to enlighten our minds so we know what God is telling us. God the Father, God the Son is telling us. So what kind of things does the Holy Spirit help us with? Um, 
In Acts 1, verses 3 to 8, it says, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. So Jesus is commanding the 11 not to leave Jerusalem. Stay here. But to wait for what the Father had promised. Now what's the promise? The promise is to send the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the promise. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Note, two different baptisms. There's actually three. Okay, but here we're speaking very specifically of two of them. Water baptism and baptism by the Holy Spirit. It's not a real good term because Jesus is the one doing the baptizing here. Okay? But that's in part two. Um, So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time? Is this the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking he's coming to destroy the Romans, and he's saying, no, this is not the time. Uh, He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. And even the statement here tells you that there's a difference between the Father and Jesus. Okay, they're distinct. They're not all rolled together. But you will receive power. So what's the purpose for receiving the Holy Spirit? It's to receive power. The term here is dunamis. Okay, dunamis, we have a nice English word for it that helps us to picture what it means. Is Dunamis is the root word in English for us to say or to use the word dynamite. So that's the kind of power we're referring to. Okay? Um, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witness. So it's power to witness. What's a witness? Anyone? Well, that's what he would do, but what's a witness? Yes. So when you're in court and they bring you up as a witness, what are you doing? You're telling what you've seen. Okay, you're telling the court and everybody else around you what you've seen. So that's what testifying is. It's a legal term. So it says, you, will, you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. That's Acts 1, 3 to 8. Now, one of the things I see over and over again as a proof that Jesus is who he says he is, is they talk about what the 12, what the 11 were like before the Holy Spirit came. They were all cowering in a room, afraid that the uh, soldiers were going to come and take them away and do to them what they had done to Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit came, they were totally different. So something occurred. Well, the something that occurred is they received power 
They were baptized by the Holy Spirit, and it transformed their lives. Let me ask a question. Do you receive the Holy Spirit? Has your life been transformed? It can happen today. All you got to do is ask. Okay, and he's more than willing to come. Um, that passage has an interesting thought. There's a couple of things that are part of that passage that come to mind. It says, um, yeah, let me read that part before I go to the next one. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fires as fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, And when this occurred, this sound occurred, the crowd came together. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. Okay, I can continue with the passage, but you get the idea. Last night it was kind of interesting. We were listening to, Sandy and I were listening to uh, a um, CD, a DVD, excuse me, a DVD, and the... um, young lady that was speaking was talking about when she was in Russia just a few weeks ago. And um, she was ministering to the Christians in Russia. Now, one of the things she was having an issue with was what we would uh, call, affectionately call the interrupter or the interpreter if you prefer, okay? Where you say something in English and they interrupt you and you know, speak to the rest of the crowd, and then you can continue on. Her prayer was, Lord, it would be really helpful if I could understand what was being said without having to go through the intermediary. And next thing she knows, she's understanding Russian perfectly. Now, she and that went on for the whole week. Only when she ministered, when she was out, you know, um, with folks for dinner or any of that kind of stuff, she still needed the uh, interpreter to figure out what was being said. But as she was ministering, whatever was going on, she could hear perfectly and understand perfectly what was going on. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What was that? Exactly. Now, a lot of years ago, we used to go to a church on the seacoast when we lived out in the Portsmouth area, and we had an individual that used to come and see us every six months or so. His name was uh, Brother Gullius, and he would fly into Hungary, or he would take the train, or he would take a taxi, or whatever it is. It was kind of funny, because... The Hungarian government always knew when he was coming, so they would guard specific areas to make sure they would intercept him and not permit him to come into the country. But the Holy Spirit always told them, 
They're in these locations, so I want you to take a plane. They're in these locations, so I want you to take a car. <laughs> so whichever area they weren't looking for him, the Holy Spirit would tell them, this is how you're going to go in the country. And he never had any problems coming in or going out of the country. At one of the meetings, there's an individual that stood up and started speaking in tongues. The tongue he was using was English. So Brother Goulias is listening to him and he knows exactly what the individual is saying. Now, Brother Goulias also uh, spoke Hungarian. So, but he just let the message in tongues go. And then he waited and an individual came and gave the interpretation and it was exactly the same as in English. So that kind of surprised him a little bit, but after the, the uh, service, he went to talk to the individual that spoke in English. And the person had no idea what English was or even close. Okay? And Brother Goulias talked to us about, he was a little concerned about whether the speaking in tongue stuff was for real or not. And the Lord just looked at him or spoke to him and said, here's an indication, this is how it works. Okay, so he's never forgotten it. So that's one of the functions that goes on. That went on here on the first day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is one of the seven feasts that Israel celebrates every year. Okay, we have those in the spring, three of them in the spring. That would be uh, Passover and the other two. And then we celebrate uh, the Feast of Booths, which is the other three at the other end of the year in the fall. But Pentecost is in the middle. Now, Pentecost, hopefully I pronounced it correctly, Shavuot? Shavuot. Yeah, what he said. Okay? Is what they call it. Okay? Pentecost, the Greek term that we use, okay, to distinguish the same day, means 50. And the scriptures... Where am I? Oh, well, it's in here somewhere. The Lord very specifically tells them, celebrate Shavuot. Shavuot. Yeah. 50 days after the spring feast. Exactly 50 days. Okay, so Pentecost means 50. Penta, 5. Yep, okay. So the Lord's got it very specifically 50 days after the spring celebrations. Now there's two important things that have occurred on that day. The reason... The Jews celebrated is because that was the giving of the law. That's when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, arrived at the camp, broke the tablets because they were worshiping an idol. Okay? Now, a key thought there is on that day of the giving of the law, there's 3,000 that died. In Acts, 
when we come to Pentecost, okay, or the giving of the Holy Spirit, Peter came out and spoke to the folks as well as the others that were speaking in Parthian and Median and whatever all those languages were. And on that day, there were 3,000 that were saved. So you see the difference between the law and the Spirit. There's a big difference between the two. Okay? So that's one of the items that comes out, you know, in terms of seeing it. The other thing that's interesting is we talk about the fire of tongues or the tongues of fire. The parallel to that is in Genesis chapter 11, we have the Tower of Babel story where the people were in rebellion to what God had asked them to do. He had asked them to spread throughout the world and, you know, inhabit the world. They had decided, no, we're going to stick around together in rebellion and we're going to build a tower to heaven. Well, the Lord confounded them with language. At the time of the giving of the Holy Spirit, we have a form of restoration of the languages, okay? Where we can speak other languages without having to learn them as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. So there's several things that occur during the first day the Holy Spirit was given. Now, yeah, it's a form of restoration. So there's a lot that goes on in the scriptures in terms of seeing what it says. Let me go a little further. Some other benefits. In Mark 12, verse 11, and Luke 12, verse 12, um, the passage of Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will give us words to speak when we don't know what to say in specific instances. Okay? And I think we've all been in some of those places where we say something and we think about it for a minute. We go, yeah, I wonder where that came from. I came from the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's one of the things he does for us. But on the other side... There are times when we want to say something and the Holy Spirit says, mm. Now, I think we've all gone through this where we've got something that we want to say, we know we shouldn't say, but, you know, we start off by going, well, I don't know if I should say this or not. We say it, and after we say it, we go, I really shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, you, you were warned ahead of time by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that's one of the things he does for us. If we pay attention to him, we'll stay out of trouble. Now, that could be found in John 16, verses 13 to 15. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray effectively. Um... In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. How often have you come through a situation where you wanted to pray but had no idea of what to say or what to do? Holy Spirit knows. And some folks have taken that to mean that we don't ever really know what to pray. 
but he always does. Okay, so that's another function of the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit helps us to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and that's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. There's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is not the same thing as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, let me read that. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. Now, there are various, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And these are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. These are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. All persons, not just a few select but it includes every single one of us here that are born again and spirit-filled. Now, if you're not spirit-filled, can the spirit do this? No, he's not there. But you can ask him to be there. Okay? And he's more than willing to come, but you've got to ask. Now, um, let me skip down to... But to, one, but to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith, same Spirit, gift of healing from the same Spirit, uh, miracles, prophecy, uh, distinguishing or discerning of spirits. Okay? I guess it was about 15 years ago. We were having a conversation and we were trying to disturb, uh, you know, it's a group of men. We met a Tuesday night every, night, uh, every week. And um, the question that was on the table that specific day was, is there a, such a thing as a false anointing? You know, we look for the anointing of the Lord to be able to minister in his power and in his might. Okay, but is there such a thing as a false anointing? The answer is yes. So the next question was, what does it look like? What does a false anointing look like? Okay, but he doesn't show up with the red pitchfork and the rest of it. Okay, so we have to be able to discern. Uh, There is power. There is power. There is power. The anointing that comes from God will always lift up God. It's about Him. The false anointing is always about the speaker. The speaker is lifting up himself. Now he's doing it in such a fashion that, okay, it sounds okay, healthy and whatnot, but if you pay attention, you start distinguishing or noticing that he's not lifting God up, he's lifting himself up. You know, his ministry is so much better than the rest of them and whatnot, but they use flowery words so that if you're not paying attention, it just goes over your head. Think politicians. Okay, they'll use a lot of words but not necessarily say anything. 
So that's the distinction between the two, between what's from God and what's from the devil, but you won't notice the devil, but you can notice who's being built up here, the individual or what God is doing. Um, The most important thing, and that's because of where it came from, to my mind, is... What did Jesus say was the Holy Spirit's function? Okay, and all these other things are important to know and to bury deep in our hearts. But what did Jesus say? Remember John 16. I told you the bulk of the passage is going to be in this point, uh, the 12 to 15 hours where Jesus is speaking. Well, here it says, uh, verses 8 to 11, And he, when he comes, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, usually we stop here. And we go, oh yeah, he's going to convict me of my sin, uh, the judgment to come, okay, and the fact that I'm not a righteous person. That's usually the way we'll see it. But that's not what Jesus says. Let me read that again. And he, when he comes will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, there's a semicolon there, meaning there's more to the verse, so we need to pay attention to the rest of it. It says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. If the Holy Spirit isn't convicting you of sin, you are never going to come to the point of knowing that you need Jesus Christ is your Savior. So it's something very important for us to know, because if it's not brought to our attention, we're never going to ask Jesus to come and save us. Okay, so it's not a negative thing that he's convicting us of sin. He's opening up our eyes to the fact that we need a Messiah. First and foremost not a thing, okay, first and foremost item that the Holy Spirit does is open the unsaved's eyes to the fact that they need a Messiah. Second thing. Because they do not believe in me. Uh, And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Well, what the Holy Spirit is convicting us or telling us is it's no longer our righteousness, it's Jesus' righteousness that the Father sees. That's why he's at the right hand of the Father, because he's brought us his righteousness. And if we've asked him to be our Savior, we have his righteousness, not our own. Okay, so this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. And the last one, because the ruler of this world, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. When Jesus died on the cross, Satan was defeated. Past tense, all done. Now he's still roaming around and trying to um, sound like he's in charge but he's not. He's been defeated. The keys have been taken away from him and uh, he's no longer in charge. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that tells us this. So we don't have to fear him anymore. We have to be aware of his tricks, but we don't have to fear him anymore. So those are the three roles that Jesus says are very important that the Holy Spirit will do for us. Uh, Well, actually, these are three roles that the Holy Spirit will do in the world, okay, for the saved and the unsaved. Um, At this point, I would have gone into the part two section because there's a lot more. No, you don't have the slides. Thank you, though. But the question I have to ask you, have you noticed that the church is not always very powerful, is very weak? Why is that? Well, Jesus very specifically says, wait for the Holy Spirit so that when you receive him, you will have power. What I have noticed in a lot of Christian churches, folks might be born again, born from above if you prefer. They might be water baptized, but they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit and the power he brings them to be able to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. That's why we don't witness. Okay, that's why we don't have the signs and wonders that Jesus says go out, okay, into all the world and witness. Okay, so we don't have the Holy Spirit. So we're trying to do it under our own power. Now, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's very simple. Okay? Just put your hands out like this, and that's only for, okay, the thought of, I'm ready to receive. Okay? It's got nothing special in terms of doing anything else, but it's just to tell you that I am ready to receive from you, God. And before we go there, if you've been speaking negative because of your upbringing, and some of the things you've been taught in the past about negative things about the Holy Spirit and being afraid of him and whatnot, you might want to ask him to forgive you before we start. Okay? But all you have to do is say this little prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you've done for me, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be able to move when you say to move. I want to have the power to be able to witness like there's in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew. And I ask you to fill me to function as you would want me to fill. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Very simple. That I do is ask. Okay? Now remember, tomorrow's Memorial Day. And yes, go ahead and thank a veteran. And thank you, veterans. 
But uh, as my friend told me, the key part is he remembers the six soldiers that were with him that never came home. Okay. Yes, Al. Yes. I'm sitting there, I was either sitting there be watching trying to sew or I'd be standing in the kitchen getting preparing food or something, all of a sudden the overwhelming feeling comes to me. So I'd like would somebody explain that what that might be. It has to do with developing a relationship. Now I'm assuming we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but I don't know the rest of the circumstances. Hopefully it's not the enemy coming to you. Okay? But that's part of developing the relationship. First of all, you've asked the Holy Spirit to come to you. You want to hear him speak. Okay, that means you give him space to speak. Okay, and then you ask him to be clear about being able to hear him. Now, if I come to you, I speak French. And if I come to you and the relationship we have is I'm always speaking French to you, what are you going to do? We're not going to have much of a relationship, okay? That's similar to um, never making space for the Holy Spirit for God to speak to me about whatever's going on. One of the things you might want to do today before you leave or as you're leaving, okay, is ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is it that you wanted me to hear today? I spoke a lot of words but it's not necessarily that you needed to hear every single one of them, but the Holy Spirit does want to bring something to your heart. Well, nothing okay? went wrong or anything, so <laughs> there must be the good spirit, not a bad spirit. There's some ways to distinguish that, but okay. So, But what you might want to ask before you leave is, Holy Spirit, what is it you wanted me to hear today? And that'll be a message very specifically that he has for you individually. Okay? Any questions? And this is part one. There's a whole lot more. <laughs> Deb? No questions? Any messages? Friends and family? Oh, I Go for it.